0: Going to Sweden tomorrow. I am. Have you lined any food places out ahead of time that you're going to go check out for sure?
1: Um, no.
0: You got to do that.
1: (laughs) I know, but here does okay. I've never been to Sweden before, so I might feel like I might eat my words later. But I'm not going there for the food necessarily. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's like if I was going to Italy. I think I would be more focused on what I was going to eat, but I'm more interested in like the ABBA museum and end of list.
0: I feel like this is an unkind way to start our podcast with how our first chapter today begins.
1: Yeah. I can't talk about my vacation when (laughs) when we have to talk about the Boltons. While Reek, (laughs) aka
0: Theon Greyjoy, suffers.
1: Yeah. It's kind of cruel.
0: Among the hounds.
1: But here we are.
0: This is Game of Thrones. Thank you for listening, everyone.
1: We are really excited to get into these chapters. I feel like I don't know if I'm just hyping myself up or I've been hyping up us, up, (laughs) say that five times fast, (laughs) or if I've been hyping us up, but I have so many questions about Bruce Bolton. This is such a very interesting Bolton chapter, and so um, I've been looking forward to kind of getting into it because I feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of different opinions about this guy that we have spent a lot of time with but we don't know a lot about, so I'm pretty excited to get into it.
0: Well, what kind of things have you made up your mind about Ruth Bolton now that you've read this chapter again?
1: Nothing. I'm keeping my own open mind. I'm just going to copy whatever you think at the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think if if you're listening to the podcast and you're reading along with us, I mean, this is another dose of just some reality from Mm -hmm. the Bolton camp, and you've got – Father against son, you've got the little voice in the back of Theon's brain trying to navigate all of it. And he's like, I'm pretty sure Ramsey's gonna jump at this guy right right now. Right now is the moment. Right now is when he nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. So how bad must the dad be? And now you're gonna send me off on a on a quest with him? No. This is the worst.
1: I know. This is the worst. And I we I know for a fact that we are not alone based off of as much stuff as I've been reading. Over the last couple of weeks, outside of just the chapters on trying to analyze what this guy's about, what his deal is, what his motivations are, what his end game goal is, and I think that a lot of that is unclear as we spend time with him in this chapter more so than I felt more so than I feel like has been in the past. so
0: well geez, now you got me wondering what do you think
1: responds <laughs> in- in. So I was like, mm, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah,
0: because he's flying under the radar. And that's what he's talking to Ramsey about. He's like, hey, man, I know that I've been gone. And all this is, you know, at your disposal, and you'll do what you will. And what did you think about John's two hour ride each way mission north of the wall, after the battle for the wall, and after further confirmation of White Walkers being around?
1: My honest answer or my fake answer? (laughs) I feel like I loaded that
0: a little heavy. What did you think about it?
1: (laughs) I thought it was boring. Really? Yep. Thought it was super boring. Thought it was a super boring filler chapter, especially after such a jam-packed, interesting chapter with Reek that we just were kind of wandering with some great quotes. but uh,
0: Some giants. Well, one giant.
1: Some giants, some John stuff, some Weirwood stuff, some prayers, some self-reflective brooding on John's part.
0: And there was some good ghost action.
1: There's some great ghost action. So I feel like you probably like the chapter more than I do because you tend to enjoy that stuff much more than I do.
0: That moment where he was like, but they didn't have what I have when they're naming off all of these rangers and he just gestures to ghosts and he's like, let's go.
1: Did you connect with that on a spiritual level?
0: I heard the music. I saw it in slow motion. I connected with it.
1: It was a good chapter. I just didn't find it particularly interesting, which I think is okay.
0: The reek chapter. This is the one.
1: That's where the meat of this is.
0: Did you slowly fall in love even, a little bit with Roose Bolton? No. None? None? No. Mm-mm. He was so intimate, like personable. You know what I mean? He showed like.
1: His You know, he seemed colors. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't think that he was being honest, but he seemed so real, you know, or charming or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I didn't fall in love with him in this chapter. I didn't either. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought. we're <laughs> on the same page about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, we just got done recording. We The Throne. And Hannah, again, is a consummate fan of Tywin Lannister. We just finished The Laws of God into Men. And uh, Tywin's just delivering victory laps of Tywin-ishness before it all blows up in his face. And I feel like Bruce Bolton's kind of managing the situation here right now, even for just a little bit.
1: I love a man in charge. Right? He is managing. He is managing the situation, and he is making interesting choices. Um, and he his his read and take on the si- the political situation happening around him is pretty spot on. But he just is so messed up in the way that he talks about Ramsey and his family dynamic.
0: I think that's the key, right? He had so many great points when he was talking about the Risewells and the Karstarks, and I'd have to find a quote from one of these paragraphs to House Dustin and the Risewells. I can't remember the quote exactly. Damn. It was a really good moment, though, where he was basically describing the nature of everything. He was like, yeah, I realize that we're doing this, but we have to do this because there are 18 versions of us doing the exact same thing around us right now and the only thing separating us from them is that we're in charge right now Mm -hmm. but obviously they're all connected to names and families and feelings Mm -hmm. (laughs) and bruce bolton doesn't really care about people's feelings
1: he doesn't care about anybody's feelings he doesn't even care about his own family's feelings
0: i don't know if he cares about his feelings
1: i feel like that's the thing that kind of separates him from somebody like tywin who i guess I mean, I would never put Bruce Bolton on the same level of playing field as Tywin. Maybe I hold Tywin, like, on too much of a pedestal, but I feel like he's not quite at that level, even though he's done a good job of kind of playing the long game. He understands the situation. He has a read on what's going on very well, but he doesn't – it's kind of back to this question of, like, what his motivation is. He does Like, for Tywin, his motivation is very clear and how he feels about his family, even if he doesn't necessarily treat his children well how he feels about his legacy and his family, I think is very clear And his family name. Roose Bolton doesn't have that at all because he, he just contradicts himself a lot in this chapter. And so it's hard to kind of sympathize or kind of see the long game or kind of the strategy behind it when he is talking about Ramsey eventually killing the rest of his kids and him not being really that upset about it.
0: I wonder why he's up to maybe it's just let's make today as good as it can be and also i'm really into this dark stuff
1: yeah i don't know i don't know if it that was kind of one of the thoughts i had is maybe he's kind of just trying to get a hand like he's not really thinking past or a a longer game than now
0: george r r martin makes a point to remind us how he thinks in one of these passages he's talking about theon and they're talking about Human skin being not as tough as cowhide, he just he yeah. just drops that in. Only Lady only Lady Barbary whom you would turn into a pair of boots, dot, 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 inferior boots. This is his aside. Like well, what he's thinking of mid-conversation. Human skin is not as tough as cowhide and we're not wear as well. And then he changes it. By the king's decree, you are now a Bolton. Try and act like one. Blah, 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 blah. He's
1: so casual in his darkness. He's so casual. And then he also wonders how Ramsay turned out to be the way he is. Later on in the chapter when he's talking with Reek about Ramsey's past and the original Reek, he kind of makes this comment where he says that Ramsey is kind of the way he is because of the first Reek and because of his mom. And that's why he turned into a monster. But he doesn't take any ownership or responsibilities for any of Ramsey's actions. Oh, yeah. but, then he, but then he says stuff like that, you know? Yeah,
0: that is so strange. I remember that from the – he says – I don't know if it was the first reek who made Ramsey so bad or Ramsey who made the first reek so bad. Eh. Yeah. He's just kind of like, eh, it is what it is. And he knows what Ramsey does, and it's still just not a big deal.
1: He knows exactly, and he even says so in this chapter. So so the beginning of the chapter is Ramsey on his grind, and we open up with the dogs which is like this weird sense of these dogs bring this like friendliness and kind, kindness to this chapter. But so we're open up on the dogs and Ramsay's returned from searching for a missing phrase. And he was unsuccessful, but he decides that he's going to throw a feast instead. And we get this really interesting feast scene um, with the dogs and oh, Freak man. and running and fighting. And you can just really see this very intense unruly feast going on after they failed their mission
0: i love this open to the chapter because it really equalized reek with these animals and uh it's kind of like when you're exercising and you and you sort of forget what's going on and you're breathing hard and maybe you have a goal and you just want to reach it or maybe you're excited about where you are and it all looks interesting and you're like i'm kind of like an animal right now that's sort of how the chapter begins it says he heard the girl's first barking as they race for home the drum of hoof beats echoing off flagstone jerked him to his feet chains rattling and here's where the language starts to get a little bit more cut up and a little bit more simple it says the one between his ankles was no more than a foot long shortening his stride to a shuffle it was hard to move quickly that way but he tried as best as he could hopping and clanking from his pallet. ramsey bolden had returned with one rink on hand to serve him it's just do you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. they're they're right there together. It says, the dogs were fond of Reek. He slept with them, oft as not. And sometimes Ben Bones let him share their supper. It's like his yeah, best I was friends. say literally that. But exactly, also that, not.
1: Doesn't it add this sort of warmth almost to the chapter? Like these dogs are so nice and friendly. I don't know. I felt like even if it's this rough situation, it kind of, dogs are inherently make me feel good i guess
0: (laughs) me too but that's the sad part it's like well it's really bad (laughs) situation is really bad like at least he has the girls but geez yeah that's that's like we're fooled too just like he is you know he feels warm to this but it's like you were a whole person you used to stand and talk to people and Mm -hmm. use your own name Mm -hmm. and now this is good
1: we get this description of Reek was loose, gray skin and brittle bones, a white-haired starveling. (laughs) Jesus. So things are really, really bad. And so we just recorded, as we said, our rewatch episode, um, the season four um, with Tyrion's trial. And we were talking about the portrayal of Reek specifically in the show and kind of how that may be a little bit different than here in the books. And I think that this kind of pinpoints that conversation like here in the books we get a much bigger grander grander's not the right word much bigger picture painted of how physically beaten down he is i mean a starveling is a really intense word to use and it really packs a lot of it says everything you need to know i mean we can see him running with the dogs we can see him his gray skin i mean we I think his physical deterioration is much more apparent um, in A Song of Ice and Fire because you're able to do that in a way that they aren't able to do in the show. And so um, I, I, I felt like this packed a pretty big punch without um, any, like, torture happens that I think that kind of sometimes draws away from what's actually going on. And, uh, yeah, I just – we we really get into – deep into – ramsey's whole situation before his dad rolls up
0: even in this nice moment with the dogs you're worried about his physical well-being it says helicent caught his left hand between her teeth and worried it so fiercely and you know how that is it should make you when a dog's worrying on your hand or whatever it should make then this next part of the sentence happen worried it so fiercely reek feared he might lose two more fingers yeah. But that's the state he's in and then it's immediately followed by Red Jane slammed into his chest. So we're referring to her by her name, right? Which it's fine to refer to your dogs as each other's names, but when yeah. it just with the way that these sentences are sentences are put together, you're kind of seeing Red Jane as you would uh, not an enemy in a in a fight, but something's happening physically and and you're a little bit discomforted by it because something might go wrong and so it's not an enemy but it's it's a friend that you can't trust as much as a human not to do something bad right so you don't really know if what you're reading is going to end up with like maybe the dog did bite him too hard or something Mm
1: -hmm. it says Mm -hmm.
0: red jane slammed it to his chest and knocked him off his feet she was lean hard muscle And then again, where you said, where we grow loose, gray skin and brittle bones, a white-haired starveling, getting that immediate comparison to an animal in the same sentence makes them feel so similar. And then that just makes him inhuman.
1: That's so good because... Just a, a little while later, as the feast is is happening and they're celebrating Ramsey's return, Reek is tied to chains while the dogs basically have the run of the hall and they can do whatever they want. And they're kind of they're part of the entertainment and they can grab the scraps that they like. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who's kind of chained in the back, as you would assume animals would sometimes be if in this type of environment or situation. And so I think that I, I like him I don't like it. I like Such the description writing. of him. Yeah, it's written just so well of him, kind of in and out with these with these animals as they, as they provide the entertainment and they're taken so beautifully care of and all of that. So
0: George is so good with words that he'll use that it'll, it'll make you think in a certain direction. It, it, like it points way, it points way harder than its meaning literally in the text but it sort of gets your mind open to that sort of area of thinking. And I think that that's a a really subtle touch that really specific artists have with their work. And it's all over this stuff where he makes us feel like the dogs are, you know, our friend, but also maybe cooler than us. (laughs) I mean, they're definitely going to be more safe.
1: Uh, Until they start killing each other. I guess it wasn't his dogs that, it wasn't Ramsey's dogs that suffered.
0: Dude ramsay ramsay bolton since we're reading pieces of the book why not just read this description of his clothes it says his mantle was stitched together from wolf skins and clasped the autumn chill by the yellow teeth of the wolf's head on his right shoulder on one hip he wore a falchion; its blade is thick and heavy as a cleaver that's kind of like a curved long sword short sword on the other, a long dagger and a small curved flaying knife with a hooked point and razor sharp edge. All three blades had matched hilts of yellow bone. It's like you could have had a normal sword, but all of those swords were strange swords. Yeah, but they're yeah. all magic.
1: He <laughs> can't have a normal sword. Not this guy.
0: He's living it.
1: He is. Even until his dad rolls in, he gets nervous for a second when his dad rolls in. Why are they, which they I hanging feel like out? There's in no other way Barrowton. to describe it than rolling in, huh?
0: Why are they hanging out in Barrowton? I don't know. Like, is there You're any actually- significance to that?
1: I don't think so. Doesn't he say he? they want to be, He Ramsey would have done this elsewhere, but he doesn't have access to the castle or something?
0: Something like that.
1: And Roos is like, why would you, you don't deserve anything more than what you have, so why would you even ask me that, essentially? <laughs> That's
0: such a mean thing to say. That's like not it's the true. answer to his question, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like Roos can sort of put him in his place, but also can't at all
0: well he did this to himself he's not a good father
1: yeah he did this himself he's mad he's mad that he's mad that he didn't find the missing phrase and then ramsey's like well why does it matter the world won't miss a few phrase i
0: know that's so funny how there's (laughs) so many more of the twins it's like we'll just replace them with more phrase (laughs) yeah
1: like everybody feels about the phrase (laughs) like
0: that no one cares about them because there's so many of them yeah Hmm. and
1: then he gets into this thing that you were Alluding to earlier, he says, there's times when you make me wonder if you're truly my seed. My forebears were many things, but never fools. On and on and on. We appear strong for the moment. Yes. But what do you imagine is going to happen when one of Ned Stark's sons show up?
0: Yeah. Well, you got to wonder what he actually knows about his forebears, though, right? Or if he's just saying that stuff to Ramsay. Because this is the same guy that we're, t- you know, we're talking about Roose Bolton here. He's the same guy that that raped that girl by the tree. And, you know, it doesn't seem that smart in this chapter. I don't know. Ramsey. Bruce.
1: Bruce. You don't think Bruce is smart in this chapter? Sounds smart in this chapter?
0: I mean, not after what you just said.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I
1: never said he wasn't smart. Right. I just like.
0: I know, but when you put it that way, it just doesn't seem well thought out. Yeah. You know, I, I get impressed by his smooth talking. And his he's very frank with Theon, excuse me, with Reek in the face of, you know, all the stuff that's going on. You would think that maybe he'd play into the, the cruelty a little bit. But, I mean, he is, but it's a different kind of cruelty.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, that's I think that that's just what makes him so interesting. is because we can't quite pinpoint what his deal is. That's all the only way I can describe it. Because <laughs> what's his deal?
0: <laughs> How about Ramsey? Not being as completely cold on the inside as his father when he was telling the story to Theon about how Rus met his mother. He was like, oh, she was so beautiful. He couldn't resist her. At least he said that. That seemed like he was an out-of-character for such a villain, out-of-character description of a story to make it seem a little better.
1: Kind of idealizing his parents' love story, yeah,
0: like a hint of weakness there. Even if he knew it wasn't the truth, he wanted Theon to think that at least, yeah, probably specifically Theon.
1: Yeah, that is sweet because
0: he's probably still deep down jealous of him because he didn't, you know, get to have the Winterfell life or whatever, whatever he's trying to have.
1: It, it makes him seem like a, it's like such a a little boy thing to do or like a little kid thing to do, you know, to kind of think that your parents had. Or to, to romanticize or idealize your history or your family life.
0: And his dad just laughed about it. He's like, "Yeah, that's not what happened."
1: He's like, "Yeah, I, I raped your mom. She was like, hardly I, worth I regret- it." <laughs> Before you make me rue the day I raped your mother, it's that was awful. The line.
0: Oh my god! I
1: wrote Roose Bolton with two sad faces next to it. Next to that, because I was just like, <laughs> "It's just he comes in with these like intensely cutting things."
0: This is an insane paragraph. Roos seemed almost amused by that. That's when uh oh sorry, I'll s- context is everything. This is Roos asks for Theon, right? And he's like, or he's no, he's like, I'm gonna take him. Unchain your pet, I'm taking him. Ramsey goes, Taking him, where? He's mine, you cannot have him. Roos says, All I all you have I gave you. You would do well to remember that bastard. <laughs> As for this, reek. If you have not ruined him beyond redemption, he may yet be be of some use to us. Get the keys and remove those chains from him before you make me rue the day I raped your mother.
1: It's so mean. Jeez. So I'll just sit with that for a second.
0: That's like, <laughs> that's some cold, that's a cold dish served. Just here you go.
1: That's what I don't understand about when he says stuff like that, but then he can't fathom why Ramsey turned out the way that he did. And he says stuff like that and then he's like, This is so wild. I don't know why my kid is so crazy, but I also don't really care because blah blah blah. So after that, Roos takes Reek away to have a little chat with him.
0: We have some psychologists listening. They're like, actually that's a very easy answer.
1: I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Please write us and help Please. us. Please. Yeah. And correct us.
0: What the deal is with that? What I mean, he's we could try to analyze it. But I don't know. It might be a waste of time. I guess that is our job. Right. But we could try to analyze his psyche.
1: Well, that's what I'm trying to. That's kind of like this big question I'm kind of trying to bring to the table is like. And I think a lot of it comes out in this conversation that he has with Reek because he. So he's having this conversation with Reek and he talks about how. Let me find the exact quote or something. He talks about how Ramsey killed his older son. Oh, Domerick.
0: That was cold, man. <laughs>
1: and he just is so chill about it. He's like, "Yeah, Ramsey killed my firstborn," and then he goes on to say, "The Dreadfort will soon be overrun with Boltons. Ramsey will kill them all. Of course, that's for the best." Walda, we're, Walda will grieve to see them die, though. Man, it's like he 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 sees exactly who Ramsey is because he's around him, and he has to clean up his mistakes, and he kind of has to like deal with his issues. But he also is just really chill about it, and he's earlier, he has this conversation with Ramsey. He's like, by the king's decree, you're now a Bolton. Try and act like one. Tales are told of you. I hear them everywhere. People fear you. Ramsey says, good. And he says, you're mistaken. It's not good. No tales were ever told of me. Your amusements are your own. Make it more discreet. So on one hand, he's trying to manage the situation. But on the other hand, he's kind of casually talking about his son in a way that He's so seemingly unfazed by that it's hard to see kind of what his motivation is or kind of what's the thing that drives him because he's just full of so many contradictions. And I don't know if like he's really trying to breed Ramsey as his heir, if he's actually trying to make him his heir because, you know, you would think that that's what he's doing, but then he's okay with. It's just confusing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. He's already expecting his children to be murdered
1: exactly. by and he's at like, at this point. Exactly. Which is just like, if he wants him to carry on his legacy, which he does because he gives him his name, then why isn't he trying to groom him a little harder? Do you think
0: that this is his way of grooming, of just negative reinforcement?
1: Maybe. I mean,
0: that, that might be an easy answer, but I, what I was going to ask was, do you think that And then it might be kind of the same thing you're asking me. Do you think that he really just likes Ramsey the most? And he's like, you know, they fear you. And and deep down, and maybe not even that deep down, just like deep enough that he he needs to hide it so Ramsey will listen to him right now and not be too self-satisfied. He's like, oh, they fear you. Excellent. This is definitely my my son. You know, just like when I saw the baby, uh, that squalling babe, I saw that his eyes had my eyes, you know, like... You know, that he mm-hmm. he just, maybe it's, maybe it's the same thing that we were talking about in the rewatch episode where, where maybe this is like the fallacy of his love that eventually kind of like brings Cersei. him down. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like when Cersei talks about Joffrey and she's like, I know exactly the kind of guy he is, but that was my son. Mm-hmm. I don't think that their relationship is the same, but. Right. Um. So this is cheating a little bit, but I've just been reading about this a lot. So ahead in a couple of chapters this description of Roose. can i read it even though we're not there yet uh, yeah. um <laughs> it says Roose has no feelings you see those leeches that he loves so well sucked all the passions out of him years ago he does not love he does not hate he does not grieve this is a game to him this is from the prince of winterfell chapter Mildly diverting, some men hunt, some hawk, some tumble dice. Roos plays with men, you and me, the, these phrase, Lord Manderley, his plump new wife, even his bastard. We are all but his playthings. I think that this kind of, this sheds some light onto this. Like, he he has no feelings. Everyone's his plaything. So he may be trying to, as you're saying, maybe give negative reinforcement or as much as he's trying to, Breed Ramsey, he's just doing it in his own way because he doesn't have any. It's like he, the passions were sucked out of him. He doesn't have anything other, anything else to do. Hmm. So.
0: so do you think the love, so that it's not even love for Ramsey, it's just that this is what's happening? He's of age.
1: I mean, that's kind of what all the signs point to.
0: Interesting.
1: Right? Wouldn't you think so? What do you think?
0: It could make sense. I like to think that he's motivated by some deep down... Ambitions. I'm not sure what they are yet, but I think. This
1: vampiric Ways? Something.
0: Yeah. Something. <laughs> Maybe he's a secret vampire. I know we've all lived through our tales of that.
1: I think that one of the things that we talk about a lot in A Song of Ice and Fire is how there's always some, there's always two sides of the story and there's always some motivation behind someone's actions. And I think that Roos doesn't have those as clear cut as a lot of uh, other major players. So. We have a couple more chances to kind of think about this a little bit and explore this idea. As I said, like with that Prince of Winterfell chapter that we've got coming up soon. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. I don't know if anybody listening listening wants to send in their own thoughts on kind of what you think his deal is. Or does he have some, Zach, as you're saying, like deep something in him that is pushing him to do X, Y, Z. Or if we think that he really is just kind of like a black and white bad guy. Um that we just didn't realize was such a capital bad capital guy until this late in the game.
0: Do you think he likes to be bad or the line that was so cold that we quoted earlier? And and all the lines, he's like, Your stench is quite appalling. Basically everything he says seems really just kind of dead. It's that dry humor i guess that's what it's like called he, like
1: dead it yeah like, without any emotion yeah
0: do you think it's just because that's exactly what happened <laughs> he's, he's saying don't make me rue the day i raped your mother because that's what happened and he's not yeah. trying to be mean wow. maybe so i wonder if leeches really do leech the feelings out of you also write in no. if you have any experience with that
1: uh what about philosophy of medicine 101 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> took that class my sophomore year. <laughs> did they
0: did you study leeching? We did. All right. So, what do you think?
1: I mean, I don't know anything outside of what anybody else can find on the internet other than it simply cures the symptom and like it's going to make your fever go down or make your swelling go down cuz your blood is gone. Mm. It doesn't cure the actual issue. So,
0: they don't have any thoughts about losing emotions for the rest of your life?
1: I don't think that your emotions are tied to your blood, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's like some ancient thinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or is the problem that we're not thinking about it now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really makes you think, huh? It really makes you think.
0: The Santa and new podcast, by the way, everyone. It's called It Really Makes You Think. Da-da-da-da. That's the music for it.
1: It's our podcast. It's in a podcast. It
0: really makes you think. Da-da-da-da.
1: So, Roos is hanging out with Reek, and he offers him a bath. And Reek freaks out because he doesn't want in any way, shape, or form to mess with anything with Ramsey, especially as Ramsey whispered in his ear before he left with his dad. That was so awkward. He was like, let me see. Um, Never mind. I'm not going to do it. Anyway, he says to him, basically, he's like, I'm going to chop one of your fingers off when you come back.
0: No matter what. Just as like a token. He's like, by the way.
1: By the way, when you come back, we'll uh, take 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 this thought for the road. And when when you come back, we'll. And so he doesn't want to do anything that's going to make this situation even worse. I think that Roose is. It's interesting because he says all this stuff about his wife and his kids and his. Well, not his wife. Ramsey's mom was not his wife. Anyway, um, his He's kids, a mistake, this, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then at the same time, he's, he's saying how, how much they owe Reek. And he sees how Theon is a huge asset. Yeah. And how he has a lot of information that is important and how they should be nice to him.
0: Bolton's pale eyes looked empty in the moonlight as if there were no one behind them at all. I mean you no harm, you know. I owe you much more. You do? some part of him was screaming this is a trap he is playing with you the son is just the shadow of the father man that is intense
1: i believe him though i believe i believe roos though in that situation like i think that he genuinely is trying to be nice to reek to theon right or am i am i uh, playing into that too
0: it's really hard to say like i said he was so personable when i was talking about it earlier like i i understand why people like him as a character
1: for sure he's for sure very interesting interesting.
0: very interesting person like hmm what's the deal with these guys and his thoughts are so nuanced about how things go but his application of those thoughts are just like they they don't follow what he knows it's so fascinating to look at it and to see how even in the face of that non-trying he still manages to do all right but he, the whole time he's raising Ramsay, who's just a ticking time bomb that he's completely ignoring. Yeah. And you have to say it like that cause it's so weird. Like, what's going on, man?
1: Yeah. So then he asks Leon for a favor.
0: They cross that hill with the Great Barrow, remember? Like, where mm-hmm. he was like, is it the first king buried here? Was it the king of the giants that were buried here? Something had to happen here because everything's flat. What is this hill for?
1: But it introduces him to Lady Dustin as the rightful lord of the iron islands and reeks like no 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 no. don't say my name you know he'll hear you don't i'm not that's not much that's not what i am and he says she's like he's not what i expected and he says he's what we have and he's like he hasn't removed anything too essential is he mad he maybe doesn't matter and Reek, Reek could hear no more. Please, my lord, my lady, there's been some mistake. He fell to his knees, trembling like a leaf in a winter storm, tears streaming down his oh, so ravaged cheeks. I'm not him. I'm not the turncloak. He died at Winterfell. My name is Reek. He had to remember his name. It rhymes with freak. So, he, so Roose introduces him. And that's why I feel like what he has to say to Reek slash Theon is sincere because he, I think he genuinely needs him.
0: They do need him hmm boltons are getting up to some risky stuff taking people's fingers off i don't know how this is going to pay off in the end guys
1: stay tuned find out
0: stay tuned the prince of winterfell is our next Bolton chapter i think this i believe this is our final week chapter Mm -hmm. so i don't
1: think we answer i think we didn't answer any questions (laughs) just (laughs) asked a lot of them but (laughs) oh well (laughs) we did our best
0: it really makes you think.
1: It really makes you think.
0: <laughs> you really opened up my mind to some questions at the beginning. There, <laughs> I was like, not sure of uh, which direction you 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 felt about. I think I Bruce went Bolton. in too
1: hard at the beginning with the questions. Always got to go hard.
0: So, Bruce Bolton, what's your overall takeaway? I know you just. I mean, do you like the guy? Not so bad.
1: I mean i I just I'm super intrigued with him. I think he's a very interesting character, and I think that. As the father of somebody who is so awful, it's he too is the worst. I mean, he's one of the bad dads of Westeros. (laughs) What do you think about him?
0: He weirds me out. (laughs) I had my contact lens prescription renewed in under five minutes this month using an awesome new app called Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from anywhere in minutes through an online self-guided vision test. Every test is designed and reviewed by doctors, so they're literally bringing the doctor's office to your home. Think of how much time you save compared to making an appointment, getting to the eye doctor, taking time off for it. Their vision test is only $20, the prices for their lenses are unbeatable, and the shipping is free. But remember, their vision test is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. I did use my current prescription, not the online vision test. But if you do use their online vision test, it will test that the current prescription still helps you see 2020 and then renew that prescription. They don't write completely new prescriptions or examine your eye's health. I've been looking for an easy way to order contacts off the internet for a long time. And I'm glad that this came by the podcast because it solved a lot of problems for me. And I'm now actually wearing them instead of not having them and spending extremely blurry days outside. Listeners of the podcast can get $30 off their first Simple Contacts order. If you head to simplecontacts.com slash owns or enter the code OWNS at checkout, you will get $30 off your first Simple Contacts order. That is simplecontacts.com slash owns or enter code OWNS at checkout. The sun had broken through near midday after seven days of dark skies and snow flurries. I can't do accents. Some of the drifts were higher than a man, but the stewards had been shoveling all day, and the paths were as clean as they were like to get. Reflections glimmered off the wall, every crack and crevice glittering pale blue. Seven hundred feet up, John Snow stood looking down upon the haunted forest. And all of this imagery a waste in Hannah's eyes. No, no that's not need. what I said. <laughs> that's not what I said. Let's not get too hasty.
1: I think it's beautifully written. I mean, yeah, the imagery is wonderful, and that was a very wonderful quote you said. But it's definitely a filler chapter. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't think I don't think a filler chapter has to be a negative thing. I just like I don't know. it's just boring.
0: Well, that description of the environment continues. I won't. I won't read it, but. Uh... They're on top of the wall, and I mean, you can't ask for much better of a backdrop right now. If this is a filler chapter, then fine, because I've got a moment of Dollar's Ed and Jon Snow where there's not, the t- tension is not as high as it can go. You know what I mean? We're at like a six or a seven right now at Castle Black. Jon Snow is Lord Commander, and they're standing on top of the wall telling jokes to each other. Not so bad.
1: It is not so bad.
0: I mean, it's about to get really tough in this book for John.
1: It is. So I guess he can get a reprieve. <laughs> yeah. But he decides to do something that could be mildly stupid, depending on how it ends up turning out, which is trucking everybody to the weirwood tree for folks to take their vows, which he's very – I mean, don't blame the guy. He's very uh, adamant that they do it the right way.
0: What did you think about it? Would you Would, would you have been like, you know, we can just do the vows here.
1: No, I probably probably would have been the same.
0: you just got to go he through says, with it right,
1: yeah, the Grove is no more than a two hours' ride, even with snow, we should be back by night too long. This is not wise, unwise said John, but necessary. These men are about to pledge their lives to the night's watch, joining a brotherhood that stretches back in an unbroken line for thousands of years. The words matter, and so do these traditions. They bind us all together, highborn and low, young and old, base and noble. they make us brothers. He clapped Marsh on the shoulder. I promise you we shall return.
0: That was the way to do it right there.
1: It's really, like I said, the chapter is very beautifully written. And I, I think that a lot of John's inner dialogue and musings on what the Night's Watch means to him. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of moments where he talks about these men are his brothers, which is such a different way of thinking. Because you remember when he first got to the wall and he was annoyed that everyone had all these terrible dark pasts and they weren't these knights. Yeah. In shining armor, defending the wall for honor. Definitely. But here he here he is. They're his brothers, and he's thinking about them. These are the guys that he wants at his back, and he trusts them, and they trust him.
0: I love that. I love that. Yeah. He he chose them. He chose them it's specifically. Great. And like you said, that's a it's a big difference from what we're used to getting. I don't know. That's one of the reasons I liked it.
1: Can I read? I just want to read all of this. Okay. John could not speak for what they had might have been. Before they reached the wall, but he did not doubt that most of most had passed as black as their cloaks. Up here, they were the sort of men he wanted at his back. Their hoods were raised against the binding wind, and some had scarves wrapped around their faces, hiding their features. John knew them, though. Every name was graven on his heart. They were his men, his brothers.
0: After what they had been through together, and after what John went through on his own north of the wall before coming back and then sharing that experience with them. You know, he can't help but to see the people he's surrounded with differently. You know? Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely.
0: But Bowen Marsh, man, just does not let up on this guy. I know. He's just always got something (laughs) to say, right? I know. Jesus. He really does. What is his deal? He's like, yeah, well, it's a stupid admission. All right. We'll see you guys back when you come back as White Walkers. All right. He's, like, you're, he's like, not you're,
1: wrong, though.
0: I know, but he's got to say that. He's like, we're either going to be white walkers or the wildlings are going to scoop your eyes out of your head. So, yeah, either way. And, like, some of those wildlings are brothers now. They swore right. they took. They. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Hmm.
0: I feel like he was making a, a strong point. And I think some of that, you know, we, we discovered on the way there that a few of the people that were coming to take the vows with him were um a few of the wildlings that had turned when he was making his first I mean, like, big push at of, to- mm-hmm. of togetherness and like not everyone made it through but a few had and i felt like maybe you know put yourself in that position like wouldn't you want to see it through in the right, right the right way too if it had been done under such conditions yes like, ideally right but we're not talking yeah. about the frozen north and a a 2 hour trip each way
1: no i'm so like idealistic and romanticize everything i would totally do the same thing
0: that's about all i had to say about that
1: i <laughs> mean <laughs> it really <laughs> makes you think <laughs> i could
0: uh, be metaphysical about it but if we're going to be physical for a second let's talk about john we got this excellent paragraph where george r r martin told us that he's getting his druthers about him in many ways i think this chapter was about getting john's druthers together like, mm-hmm. sort of trusting where he is. And he got some ideas that he realized, like, hey, no one else is going to do this. And I kind of know what the answer to this is. He says, uh, glass, John mused, might be of use here. Castle Black needs its own glass gardens, like the ones at Winterfell. And I'm assuming that, so. so this is a westerosi greenhouse we could grow vegetables even in the deep of winter that's an amazing idea especially with the long night coming i feel like hannah don't you agree that they should be they should have been growing vegetables this entire time
1: absolutely but do they have the resources or like the ability to delegate <sighs> that to something somebody all right
0: well, let's see if john brings that up he says the best <laughs> glass came from mir but a good clear pane was worth its weight in spice and green and yellow glass would not work as well what we need is gold. With enough coin, we could buy princess glassblowers and glaziers and mirror. bring them north, offer them their freedom for teaching their art to some of their recruits. That would be the way to go about it if we had the gold, which we do not. So, no, I don't think he thought about that. But it all Should've, comes back to money.
1: It all comes back to money. See our last episode of Request <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Throne. The Iron Bank. Shout out again. Yeah, shout out to the Iron Deacon Bank. Declan
0: <laughs> He's going to come around and be like, you know, what you guys need is glass here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best glass comes from I'm <laughs> Just saying. Someone's like, a good clear paint is worth its weight in spice, you know. <laughs> John's like, I was just thinking that.
1: Poor John. He's just doing his best.
0: I mean, that's a good idea. I feel, I don't know. There's a yeah, lot, it is a good idea. There's a lot going on. And just two hours away, there's a giant.
1: Is there a lot going on? Yes, there is. So they so they, <laughs> they make the trek. They make their journey. <laughs> they make their journey, and they finally make it to
0: That's the fine. weirwood
1: tree, grove trees. Nine trees. And there's other peeps there.
0: Wildlings. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they going to attack us? It's, it's fine. We have our numbers. We have seasoned trained rangers with us. John takes care of the situation again, splits everyone at the beginning. He's like, all right, we're going to flank them. We're going to flank them, and then we're going to tell them that we're friends. This will totally work. They're not going to think that we're attacking them. And then I started to think, I don't know if you did. Tell me if you did. I started to think about what it would be like if I was out camping, even if one of my friends was a giant, even if that was your life. Still, think about how strange it would be if you were out camping, and then all of a sudden some dudes with swords just, Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. Like, what are they up to? It would not be Probably good. no good.
1: It would not, especially in this place. And they say, like, especially in a sacred place like this, where you feel like you're safe, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And the the looks on their faces, that would have to be just grim and mad. Yeah. And it wouldn't be cool. And we think of the wildlings as others, you know, like, you know, like the lost. Mm-hmm. We We didn't feel for them whenever bad things would happen to them until we got to know them and so right. we, we've gotten to know the wildlings a little bit now so it was less so and I felt I felt that when we were going into the situation I, I felt thinking I don't want them just to go attack these people like surely they're gonna tell them hey all of your friends are for the most part doing all right right on the other side of the wall I'm trying to change things here but I feel like if there's a giant Anything could go wrong. This was just a dangerous situation.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're cold and they're asleep. And luckily it gets diffused pretty quickly.
0: I was looking for imagery in the communications with the werewood or, you know, the, the moments where he was looking at the werewood trees and it went into John's inner thoughts or at least it was de- describing. And I um, can read this excerpt from the chapter for you all listening at home. And you can tell us if you think there's anything in this because I don't think I could find anything. <laughs> the werewoods rose in a circle around the edges of the clearing. There were nine, all roughly of the same age and size. Each one had a face carved into it and no two faces were alike. Some were smiling. Some were screaming. Some were shouting at him in the deepening glow. Their eyes looked black, but in the daylight, they would be blood red. John knew eyes like ghosts. Why is that important?
1: Why are their eyes like ghosts being important?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: It could be another reminder of, the old magic and the connection with John and his direwolf, and that could be further setting up the possibility of ghosts being involved in the technology of his resurrection later mm-hmm. you know what i yeah, mean
1: yeah that's that's what i was going to say that's what i was thinking i think that that's probably pretty likely just another touch of hey this is there's something important going on here or there's something magical or otherworldly or bigger than this going on with whether it's ghosts in his relationship or kind of ghosts. Yeah, I think that that's probably just a touch point there.
0: And there were nine wildlings, by the way, and nine trees. So whatever that means. So Men of the Night's Watch nearly committed crimes against innocent people, but they didn't. They didn't. They scared the hell out of these women and children, though, and this giant nearly killed half of them. He was bellowing, and luckily... We have a member of our crew now, Leathers, who can communicate in the old tongue. You know what I mean? Like, how cool is Mm -hmm. that? We make more friends and we get more utility.
1: And John asks, why haven't you already come to the wall? and Oh, this is what I wanted to say. Okay, can I read this a little bit? Please. This is so good. Um, the wall is only a few hours south of here, said so John. Why not seek Gendry shelter there? Gendry can make it in five minutes easily. <laughs> others, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Gendry can run it if, you're, <laughs> if you've ever seen it. Um, others yielded, even Mance. The wildings exchange looked, looks. Finally, one said, we heard stories. The crows burned all them that yielded, even Mance himself, the woman added. Melisandre, John thought, you and your red god have got much have much and more to answer for. All those who wish are welcome to return with us. There's food and shelter at Castle Black and the wall to keep you safe from the things that haunt these woods. You have my word, no one will burn. A crow's word, the woman said, hugging her child close, but who's to say that you can keep it? Who are you? Lord <laughs> Commander of the Night's Watch and a son of Eddard Stark of Winterfell. And then just turns away, just starts making arrangements for them to come with them. But I just thought it was like, who is this guy? Who are you? And he's like, um, I'm Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. So... I'll figure it out for you.
0: That is cool. God, from stories we just heard stories.
1: Yeah, they're not wrong. I would probably be kind of. A, it's like the. It's like um when they go and raid Craster's Keep in the show, and they tell the women to come back with them, and they're like, um, I'm not gonna go to the wall, but thank you for the offer.
0: Yeah, but look, it could get him out of this trouble at least. Yeah, I guess they're not in immediate trouble. It just seems that way because they're on the other side of the wall. They're just cold. Yeah, it's cold, and you know people can just sneak up on you out of nowhere.
1: So then they do what they came for, and they say their vows.
0: And it was epic after all that time, and after me and the wildlings there, and after being like, "All right, guys, we all worship the same people ish. Let's give this a shot." And boy, was that a ceremony!
1: It really was. It was. It really, really was. And it's it's like I said, kind of at the beginning of our episode. I love. His internal monologue is there. So the Night's Watch vows are beautiful. And anytime anybody says them, you can't help but kind of get chills because it's just such this (laughs) grand gesture, right? I'm
0: thinking about you making volunteers say the (laughs) Night's
1: Watch Yeah, and how they still quote that and they always say until my death. love those guys. You can't help but like get chills when you hear it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's already like this very atmospheric thing is already happening and they're already out past the wall and they took a long time to get there and they run into wildlings and here they are saying their vows and then John is also having this very intense internal monologue and he's thinking about Aria, wherever she might be, I hope that she's safe, I hope that I have the strength to live and die at my post, give me wisdom to figure out what I need to do and he just, he's thinking about how he needs to be the shield that guards that guards the realms of men like he's just i just feel like it's such a great john monologue of his it's like when his brooding and his like emoness and his inner thoughts are actually productive here i feel like in a way that they aren't necessarily productive when he's kind of complaining all the time you know what i mean right so it was good it was interesting
0: this was also what appears to be the inspiration for beyond the wall and capturing a white and bringing back a white as some kind of evidence to prove to people that they should probably listen to all the scary talk about grumpkins and snarks and things that they don't believe in. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, really? You remember, he was like, I want to grab those.
1: Oh yes. 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 Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. They're
0: under a red moon, which the free folk called the thief. And the book says the best time to steal a woman was when the thief was in the moon. Maid Egret had always claimed. She never mentioned the best time to steal a giant or two dead men. <sighs> so cool.
1: He's. It's so cool that she just always. This is what makes him such a lovable guy. He just. He still talks to her in his mind. He's become like she is his conscience.
0: Well, she mattered to him, of course. I know. It's just it's like, like he would just forget, right?
1: It's just very sweet as it like going through this important thing and she's his she's what's in the back of his mind
0: and the next line is it was almost dawn before they saw the wall again and i was just wondering if we were in some strange dream of john's where he went north of the wall into the unknown and then you know but of course that's not what happened not this time they meet dollars ed at the gate the same gate that donald noy stood against mag the mighty and instead of it being dramatic. And picturesque after all of this has been done, we get this great moment where it says when Ed caught sight of the ragged band of wildlings, he pursed his lips and gave the giant a long look. Might need some butter to slide that one through the tunnel, my lord. Shall I send someone to the larder? John replies, oh, I think he'll fit unbuttered.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so he did on his hands and knees crawling.
0: Yeah. We've added another giant to the mix a handful more of wildlings. And I think we've proven to ourselves that maybe all of this isn't for naught, right? That maybe being friends with the wildlings, you know, you you get these connections where Leathers was able to step up and and handle the situation where they weren't sure what was going to happen. And now these people that were cold and alone and and they were unsure and people could sneak up on them for God's sakes in the middle of the woods, now they have a place to be.
1: And now John has more mouse to feed. Well, but yes, I know exactly. I'm just devil's advocate. <laughs> I agree with you. So he gets back, and then he immediately gets a letter from Stannis, where we learn that they Stannis gets some help from a daughter of Bear Island, whose oh, name is She Bear, which is awesome. And then we also learned something that we actually didn't talk about. Wait, I didn't want to read.
0: Are you talking about the uh, Deepwood Mot situation? Yeah, yeah, that's rough, right? Our last yeah. chapter with Asha, we were afraid that these noble, you know, sort of l- obviously landies. I'm trying to think of a good name for people that clearly are like lords that live in the land and can't fight on sea. Whatever I think she called landies
1: them is probably good.
0: Yeah, she she could tell they were clearly weren't. Anyway, Deepwood Mod has been taken. Mm-hmm. By Stannis and his forces, and he has new allies.
1: And uh, the knights, he says, the Night's Watch had sworn to take no side in the quarrels and conflicts of the realm. Nonetheless, Jon Snow could not help but feel a certain satisfaction. He read on, and then we also learned that Roose Bolton, um, which has we, no feelings, which <laughs> yeah, we learned the the ins and outs of Roose Bolton. This is kind of what was talked about a little bit in the last chapter <sighs> that we just read that we didn't talk about. Um, that we get to talk about is that Stannis plans to march against Roose Bolton as Roose heads to Winterfell to marry Arya because they had this whole conversation about how Ramsay sorry not Roose marrying Arya but Ramsey is marrying Arya and Roose and Ramsay have this whole conversation about how he needs to marry Arya in Winterfell and stake the claim mm. and and essentially wants Stannis to march on him there and pulls him in and Stannis bites the takes the bait and um he's going to march against Winterfell. Yeah, he should have asked um, John
0: maybe some he thoughts have on asked that. Because John. John was like, Yeah, that's not a good idea. He also says the castle's a shell. He's like, it's just not Winterfell. This is the ghost of Winterfell. It's like, dude, this is cause you're not there, man.
1: I know. But then Stannis goes on to say, I'll save your sister if I can. And that's like very sweet. And even, even John is like, This is the surprisingly tender sentiment. Even Stannis can be sweet.
0: He would have a correction for that. He's like, not sweet, but it would be something else. It would be like, just.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's the right thing to do. And then John goes on to think, what if Bolton never had his sister? This wedding could well be just some ruse to lure Stannis into a trap, which is like not totally wrong. But um, is an interesting line of thought that he's got going on here.
0: Yeah, well, Melisandre is in his head with all that stuff. Any grit. Yeah, but you know how she was like, you know, he said that, but I don't think it's true at all. Pretty sure that Arya's going to show up on a dying horse fleeing from yeah. her marriage.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: When Jon had been a boy at Winterfell, his hero had been the young dragon, the boy king who had conquered Dorne at the age of 14. Despite his bastard birth, or perhaps because of it, Jon Snow had dreamed of leading men to glory just as King Daron had, of growing up to be a conqueror. Now he was a man grown and the wall was his, yet all he had were doubts. He could not even seem to conquer those.
1: Q dashboard confessional. Or something. Or something. It's good. It's good. I this chapter is worthwhile after all.
0: He could not even seem to conquer those. After all that, that's where George leaves us. He's a really good writer.
1: He's a great writer. (laughs) What's your own? What's your own? Let's start with the John chapter, what your own for that chapter is.
0: It's got to be the butter moment. When when he unbuttered.
1: (laughs) Unbuttered.
0: Also, you know, uniting the wildlings even more and, you know, everyone being safe and nothing wrong happening.
1: I'm going to give my own to the wildling woman who asked John, who are you?
0: That's so funny.
1: He's wondering that himself, honestly.
0: That is so funny.
1: All right. And Reek, three.
0: This is tough. I think you should go first. Oh.
1: So at the beginning of this chapter, they're talking about Ramsey's dogs. And this line says, this passage goes, he's talking to Reek. Ben Bones, who liked the dogs better than his master, had told Reek that they were all named after peasant girls Ramsey had hunted, raped, and killed back when he'd still been bastard, running with the first Reek. Running with the first Reek, and then Ramsey goes on to think the next litter to come out of the Judge Fort Kennels would include a Kyra, Kira. Reek did not doubt. Own to Ramsey Bolton, continuing to outdo himself every step of the way.
0: Jeez. Well, that's better than my own. What's yours? My own goes to Lord Pig, a.k.a. Wyman Manderley. This is what (laughs) uh, he brought with him. Forty wains full of foodstuffs, casks of wine and hippocrats, barrels of fresh cost lampreys, a herd of goats, a (laughs) hundred pigs... Crates of crabs and oysters, a monstrous codfish, dot, dot, dot. Lord Wyman likes to eat, you may have noticed.
1: Well, I was hungry.
0: Well, I was hungry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shy City Man.
1: Wyman rocks.
0: He's the best.
1: So those are our owns.
0: Also owned to anus Frey.
1: <laughs> Just a quick shout out.
0: Before we go any further, let's read some owns.
1: So the first is coming from at Beauty Brienne, Brienne of Tarth. who says, Rick Own goes to Roos and his... Dot, 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 romantic, question mark, question mark side. Who knew? John Owen goes to the idea of a castle on the wall, woo, manned, by all women. It sounds efficient already.
0: That was a perfect moment. And he was like, do you hate me? Mm-hmm. S- why do you hate me so much, John Snow? <laughs> Jose Pereira on Twitter, my first own. Yay. To the ghost of Winterfell, John's thoughts when reading Stannis's letter refer to the castle but it's actually a layered foreshadowing from the author on what is to come to set an eerie mood, be it the murders among the Bolton slash Frey ranks or something else. I
1: love it. Next we have Jerry Fameo. on Delicious. Unloused. Rick Owen goes to Roos, who despite his humorless demeanor can come up with some choice one-liners, such as this one about his plump wife, Lady Walda. If she pops out suns the way she pops in tarts, the Dreadfort fort will soon be overrun with boltons. Hashtag, it's the way he tells them. And this one to Ramsay when he threatens to use Lady Dustin's skin to make a pair of boots. Only Lady Barbary whom you would turn into a pair of boots, inferior boots. Human skin is not tough as cowhide and will not wear well. He probably knows this form, or he probably knows this from experience. John owned to Dollars Ed, who clearly knows his own limitations. Quote, Ghost's a better choice. I don't <laughs> have the teeth for biting wildlings That's anymore. So funny. <laughs> I love that. Well, he I was like, who are you Ed? taking
0: with me. Just, or, take him with you. And he just points at him. He's like, Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> <Makes> <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your own. Thank you guys for for sending in your comments and for participating along with us. If you want to, Send in your owns. If you want to send in your thoughts on these chapters and the next chapters that we'll be reading, you can find us on Twitter at Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at Game dot com.
0: And we hope you guys have had a really good spring. It's kind of felt like winter has just been forever.
1: It went from winter to summer, and I'm fine with it.
0: And we'll be back after Hannah returns from Sweden. That's a Game of Owns deep cut. You have uh, <laughs> a lot of plans, right? 10 days.
1: I do. It's going to be very exciting. So when I get back, we've got Daenerys 6 and Cersei 8.
0: Roman numerals are tough.
1: Roman numerals are not my strong suit. (laughs) Daenerys 6 and Cersei 8. If you want to read along with us, you can find us on afeastwithdragons.com and catch up on the reading order.
0: And you can find our podcast. You're already listening to it, but you can find it on Stitcher. And iTunes by searching Game of Bones, you can go to gamebones.com and listen to every episode of the podcast. We have them all sorted for you in different ways. And we've been talking about rewatch the throne. I think we dropped it like five or six times on this episode because we just recorded it though. Yeah, and like we a released an episode uh, on our main feed as our last episode of the podcast. Oh yeah, you remember? We hope you guys like that. That was a lot of fun. We've been having a lot we of love fun recording with it. those. And if you yeah. haven't listened to it yet, it's available. It's for the line and the Rose. That's when Joffrey dies.
1: Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert.
0: You can check out that episode on our feed, and you can listen to the rest of Rewatch the Throne at RewatchTheThrone.com or searching for Rewatch the Throne on Stitcher Premium.
1: All right. I feel like things got a little loopy at the end, but (laughs) thanks for hanging in with us and for listening, and we'll see you guys soon.
0: I mean, it was a strange pair of chapters, right? The pairing between the
1: two of them. Speaking so softly. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then, like, Ghost actually being around.
1: So thanks for hanging with us. Just
0: remember, human skin is not as tough as cowhide, and we will see you next time.
1: Bye.